listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. This is the post-game show. It's the post-game for the first home opener that the Knicks played against the Detroit Pistons. And again, like last video and this video, you can tell from my demeanor and how I'm looking that the New York Knicks won this game. And I said it. If you go back and listen to the tape, of last episode, last post game, I said it. The New York Knicks are going to come into their garden at home and they were going to blow this one out of the water. And what's the final score? Detroit 106, the New York Knicks 130. In this game, they led by as much as 29 points. 29 points against a game Pistons team that we know and we saw can fight and claw back from being down a lot. And this team, this New York Knicks team during this game explained and showed me a lot of things that I wanted to see and understand. I wanted to see how this Knicks team was going to work and look under pressure, especially when a team makes a run because this is a game of runs at the end of the day the three-point ball shooting that three makes the nba and the game completely different because now being down 20 if you shoot four threes you're only down eight that's how much of a difference and an impact that three ball makes so if you are down 20 and get three or four stops and you make three or four three-pointers which is realistic in this day and age especially if you're a Warriors team or a good three-point shooting team, you just made your way back into the game. And that can take as much as one or two minutes. So the three-point ball is extremely important. And being able to guard that and make those shots are really what's going to make or break for you every single night of the day. And what we saw tonight was a three-point barrage from the New York Knicks. They couldn't miss in the first half from three. They settled down in the... Um, in the second quarter, excuse me, the second half, and they didn't make as many, but they were still making a, a decent amount. If we're going to the stats here for the team, uh, for the Knicks, they shot 42% from three, and they shot 16 out of 38 uh, threes. And the Detroit Pistons shot 25% from the three-point line. They shot 36 threes, and they made nine of them. Again, for 25%. That's not going to cut it. And a real good reason for that is the New York Knicks defense. Now, I brought coming into this that I said that, you know, the Knicks were going to blow this one open. And the reason they blew this one open, I just told you, was because they made the three. That's really one big part of why they blew this one open, because their shots were falling this game. Against the game in Memphis on the road, we shot similar threes, but those shots weren't falling for us. Tonight, they did. And sometimes that's going to happen. But when your threes aren't falling and you're not making that shot consistently, what I want to see is you take it to the rack or maybe make a closer shot 
Because again, I'm a big believer in that when a player sees the ball go into the hoop, you're going to get that confidence. And when you get that confidence, you'll start to believe in yourself more and you'll shoot better. You'll shoot within rhythm. And that's when you'll catch fire. We saw Cam do that against the Grizzlies on, um, on opening night. Now, the reason I mentioned the three ball is because it gets you in the game. It can help make a 20-point game, a eight-point game, and three or four possessions. The fact that it was falling for us helped us overcome a lot of the runs that Detroit made in this game. In the first half, I'm not going to lie. Being a Knicks fan, what a sight it was to see. We saw Julius Randle being a leader. We saw Jalen Brunson actually control the pace and be a tone setter for this team. We saw him not only penetrate, create, find the open man. We saw him be so crafty. And I think that's just going to be what, what the associated word with Brunson is going to be for the entire season. Brunson is crafty underneath, outside. Like I said, I said it when he first touched the ball in his first preseason game. It feels different when he touches the ball because you feel like he knows what to do, where to go, how to control the offense. He said it uh, during uh, the coverage during the game when they were cutting to these clips that he's a natural-born leader. And you know what? I can see why. I see what he talks to Randall when, you know, Mitch is taking a free throw. I see him and Randall go all the way back court and have a conversation. I don't know what they're talking about, but, you know, that's stuff that I didn't see a lot during uh, last season. You know, somebody talking to Randall, making sure he's good, he's okay. Um, and then you have the team coming together during the timeouts, during the huddles, during the dead balls. Uh, I even saw Randall during a dead ball during the last game, firing up his guy saying, come on, let's go. Come on. You got this. Let's do it. Julius Randall was doing that during last night's game. That is leadership. That is leadership on the floor. That is what I want to see from Randall, because whether you like it or not, Randall is a leader. Leadership. The threes falling and stellar defense. Those are three of the main concepts and keys each and every game that's going to determine whether we win or lose. And the IQ level of our players to understand if the three is not falling to take it to the rack. And I just got to say, and I'm going to get into this point because I think it's absolutely needed. The reason the Knicks won 130 to Detroit's 106 was because of how we controlled pace, but how we ran the break. Do you notice that this Knicks team against Detroit, every single chance that they could run, they ran. There were times when a rebound was hit, Mitchell Robinson passed it up. Jalen Brunson passed it all the way up court to a cutting RJ, a cutting uh, Obi Toppin. Sometimes quickly was in the corner over there. Randall was underneath. And I said this, Randall caught the ball in the best position underneath from a pass by Brunson to close out, I think, the second uh, quarter. And what happened during that time? What happened? He caught it against a Cade Cunningham underneath. Julius Randall with the ball underneath against Cade Cunningham is probably illegal in several states. That's a boy against a physical specimen in Julius Randle. What did you think was going to happen? 
Because if he didn't make it and get the and one, he was at least going to get fouled. Julius, for what you want to say, is a smart IQ player when he's in the right position. And that's what key is here. Listen to this stat line from Julius Randle. You're going to probably think it, it's bad, but listen to the stat line. I'm going to read it off uh, of my sheet here. So he played 25 minutes, 15 points, six rebounds, no assists. Zero assists. I'm going to get to that, though. Zero assists. Five of 12 from uh, the field goal. So he didn't shoot the ball that well. Decent, but not that well. Two of three from the three-point line. Again, he didn't take that many threes, which is probably a good thing because last year he did a lot of that and he missed a lot. So, you know, I, I don't mind him not taking a lot of threes. I also don't mind him taking the threes when he's open. Thibodeau has been praising this, you know, if you're open, shoot it because he believes everybody can make the three. Maybe not Mitch, but everybody else in starting lineup, I think he believes can make the three at some regard. So if you're open, he wants you to shoot it. Uh, Julius Randle also had two personal fouls. He was a plus, excuse me, he was a minus one uh, for plus minus. Now, if you look at that stat sheet and you didn't watch the game, you probably think, oh, Randle did okay. He didn't, uh, he played decent minutes, you know, um, he missed a couple of shots so offensively, he probably didn't have it. So it probably was an average game for him. That's why you can't box watch. That's why you can't look at the, just the sheet and say, okay, this guy had a good game, but no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to watch the game because listen, I believe in analytics, but I also believe in what I see. Optics mean a lot to me. I can't read Jalen Brunson's leadership off of a, off a sheet. I can't see Julius Randle firing up his guys off a sheet. I can't see them diving for the balls and going outside uh, trying to get the ball in, no matter if it costs them a little bit of their health and body. I can't see that off of the sheet. I can't see Jalen Brunson passing the ball to RJ, even though he throws himself in the stands. I can't see that on a sheet. I can see that when I watch the game. That's hustle. That's passion. That's New York. That's the Knicks. I'm a 90s fan. If you listen to my Charlie Ward interview, you saw how fanned out I was even interviewing him because I grew up during that age. 97, 98, 99 were my playoff years with the Knicks because they were so locked in. That passion, that energy, that be there for each other, camaraderie. That was what the 90s Knicks were all about. And you know what? I'm seeing a lot of the 90s in this team. They are playing for one another. They trust one another. They, when they're out there, they play for e together. Brunson said it perfectly last night. He doesn't care if he's the star or Randall's the star or Barrett's the star. He just wants to win. And he wants to make the team better. You know who that sounds like? Giannis. Probably the best player in the NBA today. Giannis Atempacumpo. From the Bucks. The best player won double MVP a few years ago. That player says the same thing. I don't care if I do it. It's not about me. It's about the team. How about the team plays? Because at the end of the day, it's about how my team plays, not my individual play. Because that's not going to get it done. He knows that. He's won a championship. He's been to the playoff numerous times. Jalen Brunson basically said the same thing. You know what you call that? Leadership. Leadership at the guard position that we haven't had in years. I don't know if you can even make the argument that Raymond Felton or Stefan Marbury were even a leader in that role. They played their position and their part well, but were they a leader in that role? The leader that I can remember, 
the person that was able to control pace last time I checked was Charlie Ward. Mark Jackson as well, too, but Charlie Ward. We're going real way back. Jalen Brunson controls pace, tone, and he had a phenomenal game. Let's look at Brunson's stat line if you want to hear a crazy stat line because my man went off. 28 minutes, 17 points, two rebounds, six assists, 6 11 from the field, two of four from three points, and he was a plus three. And again, he played 28 minutes. Pace controlled. Three pointers made him. Penetrated, found the open man. Made his free throws, made his threes, and was efficient. What do you want? What do you want? Jalen Brunson, for me, man, is impressing me each and every game. Now, don't get me wrong. Even in preseason, he had a one bad game. You can make the argument he didn't have a great game against Memphis, even though he turned it up in the second half when he you know, got out of that foul trouble. He is a tone setter. I say it so many times during this pod, and I'm going to continue saying it. It matters. We haven't had that at that position for so long, so it matters. His consistency, his leadership, his ability to understand what's going on in the game and know, okay, I need to score. Okay, I need to pass. I need to penetrate and get this guy involved so he can be a threat. And that way the defense can fall toward him. And that way a lane can open up in the paint and I can, you know, take advantage of that or Barrett can take advantage of that. That's the stuff that goes on in your point guard's head all the time at a lightning fast pace. And you got to be able to understand and analyze all those things in, in, a, in a breath and make the right decision, and not everybody can do that. But I believe Jalen Brunson can. Jalen Brunson, for me, was phenomenal. Last night was his game. He was on. The game ball should have went to Jalen Brunson yesterday because I felt like when Detroit was making their run in that third and they cut it to 12, after we had them down by 29, one person, in my opinion, was the make or break difference on why we did not collapse. Jalen Brunson put the ball in his hands, made a three, found the open man, did what he needed to do. And I'm not gonna miss out on him and I'm not gonna, you know, not mention him. Derek Rose, who played 16 minutes last night, had 13 points. In 16 minutes, and I'm hearing people saying, oh, Derrick Rose didn't play a lot. He's probably not going to get that many minutes. He's not that important. Derrick Rose was a plus 23. One of the highest plus minuses on the team. Derrick Rose from three shot, what was it, three of four, right? Just looking at the chat right now, three of four from three. Didn't shoot that many threes, but when he did, he made them. That doesn't matter. 16 minutes, 13 points, and you're trying to tell me that that doesn't matter? That's not important? And the fact that he can be a point guard off the bench, a legit point guard that we trust is a vet? You have Jalen Brunson wrestling and you get Derrick Rose coming in. As the you know opposing team, how do you feel about that? Got Jalen Brunson put on a show against you. And then you got to deal with Derrick Rose, who's shooting threes, getting in the paint, and can also create for his teammates. That's a lot to deal with, especially when you have a young Detroit team. The Knicks are better than Detroit and should have beaten them. This outcome is not surprising to me. 
This is exactly what should happen when we play teams like this. Am I surprised? No. Why would I be surprised about this? We are supposed to beat teams like Detroit and in dominating fashion, to be honest. So I'm very happy that we got the win here. I thought it was a win that we absolutely needed, not only because of the home opener, but because we lost against the Grizzlies. And this is it. We need a win. At the end of the day, that's what's going to help us get into the top echelons of the standings, you know, if we ever want to get there. So we got to play smart. We got to play with pace and we got to run. That gives us a chance every night. And last night we showed why. We got the youth to run. We got shooters that can shoot the three. The Knicks, if they play defense, their threes fall. Or they recognize to, you know, take advantage of the paint and fast break points. They are going to be a very dangerous team. And teams are not going to want to play you. The New York Knicks played amazing defense yesterday. Very good defense. They did what I've been shouting from the rooftops since preseason game one to do. Close out on shooters. Close out on three-point shooters. That's it. They did that. And that's a big reason why Detroit shot 25% from three. The Knicks defense was stellar. Do not get it twisted. It was stellar. Very, very happy about that. And I'm looking forward to seeing consistency. I want to see them build off of this. Tom Thibodeau said a great point. During the press conference, he said the bench did well. And they did. The entire bench was an entire positive. The entire bench is plus minus was positive. Some even like 21. I think Isaiah Hartenstein was 21. Mitchell Robinson, 27. I mean, um, you know, all these guys, just like crazy. Uh, excuse me, not, it wasn't uh, Mitchell Robinson. IQ, Emmanuel quickly had a plus 27 off the bench. And that's actually why I wanted to go into this. The bench is going to determine whether you win or lose games each and every night. If your bench is a negative plus minus, the entire bench, you're going to lose that game. I don't care. Unless you are planning for the starters to each drop 30 or 40 points. But if that's not going to happen, you're not winning that game. The bench needs to play well and need to be on each and every night. Thibodeau said it best in his press conference. The bench needs to build off of this. And they do need to build off of this. And the bench needs to bring it each and every night. We have the talent to do it. Emmanuel quickly was a big reason on why we won the game too. Let's talk about Emmanuel quickly. Played 27 minutes. Scored 20 points. Seven rebounds. Seven assists. So I say it again. 20 points. Seven rebounds. Seven assists for Emmanuel quickly, who has become the first point guard off the bench for the Knicks. Now, sometimes, and what Thibodeau did yesterday, what I thought was interesting is he kept Jalen Brunson in there and even kept Jalen Brunson to start the the second and made Emmanuel quickly played more of a two guard in that role. And I think Jalen Brunson and IQ switched. IQ played some some guard and Jalen Brunson's small guard. And then, you know, ever so often it would switch and Brunson would play more point guard and IQ would play more small guard. So, it, you know, it, I saw that dynamic there. And I think it's good to have that, especially if quickly going to look for the pass because you need a passing point guard, especially to take advantage of, you know, our point guards breaking down the defense when we get inside. You got to be able to be smart with the ball and be able to either understand how you can break the defense down and get your point or make the other players in uh, on your team involved enough so they become a threat so it's easier for you or somebody else to eat inside. 
And that's what was happening. And Emmanuel quickly was a big part of that. He shot the three uh, somewhat well. He was three for eight. Three for eight, actually, from the three-point line. So, uh, you know, he shot the ball from three okay. Um, I think he hesitated a couple times from the three. Tom Thibodeau in his press conference laughed about it and said, yeah, he did, and he didn't like it. And he, he I think even IQ knew that he messed up and he should have probably shot that three. It's funny, though. We always say, like, oh, IQ maybe shouldn't start shooting those threes or stop shooting all the time or this or that. I, Tom Thibodeau doesn't want that. Tom Thibodeau very much said, hey, listen, if you're open, shoot it. And with IQ, I even trust him double as much. He didn't really say that in terms of double as much, but he kind of just doubled down on the fact that it's IQ. He can shoot. I trust his shooting. When he's open, he needs to shoot it. That was high praise from Tom Thibodeau, especially from a lot of fans who were clamming for IQ to be more of a pass-first uh, guard rather than a score-first guard because they thought his offense waned a little bit and wasn't as strong as it was you know, previous years. His three-point shot needs a little bit of work. Not his shot, but, you know, in terms of his efficiency and also him just being able to understand what is a good three-pointer versus a bad three-pointer. Sometimes I think he makes the game a little harder for him from the three-point line than he needs to. So if he calms down, focuses, and makes the right play, right pass, right shot, he'll average this all season. IQ is a player that he can do that. But if he gets in his own way, we'll see more of the same from him. And if we see that, he could lose out on getting consistent minutes to Grimes. Grimes might be able to even play a, you know, a guard position in terms of playmaking. He did a little bit of that in summer league. I don't know what he can do in a regular NBA game with, you know, this reserve unit or a couple of starters if he plays with them eventually. I don't know. I'm curious to see it, though. Before I get to the Orlando Magic game, I thought I gave everybody a couple of flowers. And if I missed a couple of players, I'm sorry about that. If I missed your favorite, comment below and tell me which one I missed and why I should have went over them. For me, I'm just going through what I thought were the keys of the game, why we won, why we dominated, and a couple of players that impressed me. And I had to mention IQ because, let's face it, IQ got dogged on last game, as he rightfully deserved. And then this game turned it on for the home opener. And did a damn good job. 27 and 7, I'll take it. Increase your three-point percentage, son. And if you do that, oh, yeah. You could definitely start making some noise for uh, six men of the year honors. But it has to be on a consistent basis, IQ. I need to see it every night. Not only at home and not, you know, not on the road or uh, here or there. And then, you know, for a few, few games, it shuts down. Need to see consistency from IQ and this bench, for that matter. Um, Obi was great as well, too. Um, good play, good dunks, good energy deflating dunks. Uh, loved it, and I love the energy that Obi brings. I want to talk about Evan Fournier. I know it's a crazy transition going from Obi giving you all this energy to Evan Fournier, and you guys know how I feel if you've listened to my pod about Evan Fournier. Take him out of the starting lineup. Take him out of the starting lineup. I've seen it enough. I've seen it during preseason. I've seen it enough, in, and I've only watched two games, and I've seen enough. Against bad teams, you might not see it that often. You might not see it that much because bad teams don't play as good defense and don't have as good of players, and Detroit is very young. 
Evan Fournier is going to cost you games against the teams that are very, very hard to beat and that have great talent. Because he doesn't play as hard defense as the rest of the starting unit, my opinion. His defense is better. I'll admit that. It looks good. It looks better. He got some steals uh, during Memphis's game and also during the uh, Pistons game. Like I said, it's better. I still rather have Grimes or Cam Reddish. Put RJ at the two, Cam Reddish at the three, RJ at the three, Grimes at the two. Whatever you want to do. I got to see one of them. Evan Fournier shot the ball eight times yesterday, made it in three times for a total of eight points in 20 minutes. That's why you keep him in there? That's You want those eight points? Again, I know that it's the shooting and it's the, the fear. He didn't shoot the ball much. Shot the ball eight times. So where is the shooting fear? You're saying because he's at he's at the corner and just you know hanging around there that he creates a fear people are gonna hang around? Maybe, but the defense isn't stupid either. They're gonna know that you're not passing the ball to him after you know the 15th time you don't pass the ball to him and you passed it to Brunson, RJ, or Randall, basically your big three that gets all of those shot opportunities for the most part. If that's the case, and I've been screaming it since preseason, put Grimes or Reddish in there. Because at least they can give you similar shooting with better defense. And you need somebody who can play defense that is in the backcourt with Brunson. RJ can do that. Grimes can do that. And you need that. Again, please, I've seen enough. Get Evan Fournier out of the starting lineup. All right, let's look at the uh, Knicks' next game. They're going to be facing the Orlando Magic at MSG at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on October 24th, which is this Monday. That game is going to be a fun one, I think, because you're going to have you know the number one overall pick in Bonchero there. You're going to have Suggs playing, I think. I know he got an ankle injury last night, so I don't know if he's going to be playing the game on Monday. It's going to be fun to see if he does. But um, if he doesn't, you can expect to see Cole Anthony as well, too. I know we're going to see him. You got Terrence Ross on that team. Um, you know, you got a couple of, uh, you know, good players on that team. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the Knicks match up to, again, another young team in the Orlando Magic. Another team that we should beat so in my opinion the Knicks are also going to blow this one open and beat the Orlando Magic by a lot of points I'm going to predict a similar score here but I don't even think that the Magic crack 100 I'm going to say the final score is going to be 95 the Orlando Magic and the New York Knicks are going to be winning by 120 that's my final score let's see if it happens and I think we have a very good shot at seeing the Knicks achieve that because, again, Magic are young and the Knicks are a little bit more experienced, have a little bit more chemistry because a lot of the guys played last year. And, you know, they should be a little bit more farther along on their journey than the Magic are. So with all those things in that regard and that respect, the Knicks should definitely win this game against the Magic on Monday and they should do it in dominant fashion. That was the post game for the first 
home opener between the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks that saw the Knicks dominate the Detroit Pistons, 130 to 106. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Until the next post game, take care, Knicks fans. Peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.